Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Soda Pop Podcast, the podcast where Mark Gallegos, Selena Fugate, and Tyler Hankins come together at this table to discuss the various behind-the-scenes stuff about the arts in the community and in the show's area at the University of North Alabama. Now, if you'll notice, we're missing a very important player. We're missing Mark. He's okay. He's not sick. He just could not be here today. But he's with us in spirit, so just imagine if he's sitting right here. Uh, today, I have a very important guest today. We have a very special guest today. Um, very quickly, I just want to um, preface this. Um, I mentioned in the first episode, episode 16, that uh, she's the reason why I even got this position because she mentioned it to me and said that I should apply. And the rest is history. So I just want to give a very warm soda pop welcome to the very amazing, wonderful, awesome Miss Chrissy Britton. Thank you. No I appreciate that, Tyler. Oh, no problem. Thank, Thank you. you. So I just like to start off by asking, uh, for letting the people know who don't know you, um, mm -hmm. who are you? What's your position? And uh, what type of things are you doing? All right. Uh, I'm Christy Britton, and I am the executive director at Tennessee Valley Art Association. Tennessee Valley Art Association runs the Tennessee Valley Museum of Art and the Ritz Theater. Uh, the Museum of Art is in Tuscumbia, the Ritz Theater is in Sheffield, but we are a regional association, so we have kind of a ripple effect as we spread out through the Tennessee Valley. We cover Lauderdale, Colbert, Franklin counties. Uh, we even kind of dip into Mississippi every now and then. So we're the closest resource for the arts for a lot of rural areas as well. Um, so uh, we really try to get out there and expand our reach, uh, and, and that's actually part of our mission at the Artist Association. Um, I also am the director of the Shoal Storytelling Festival, and uh, storytelling is um, a, a fun um, oral tradition in the South, and uh, that's uh, we're passionate about keeping storytelling alive, and uh, that we use it as a tool to bridge the museum and the theater. So it's uh, this great in-between uh, world um, where narrative really comes to life. So I think it complements my position with the Art Association as well. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. You seem to have a lot of stake in it. So uh, mm -hmm. where are you from and how long have you been? Well, I uh, grew up on the west side of Birmingham in a town called Adamsville, went to minor high school, was a thespian, did all the theater classes. Uh, so I thought I would major in theater um, until I really started auditioning for scholarships and thought, oh my goodness, these people are going to eat me alive. <laughs> and you know, you have to have the stomach for rejection, really, honestly. Yeah. And um, so me being a little sensitive, a lot sensitive, um, I started uh, looking into visual arts. And uh, I was, I've always been interested in visual arts. I've always drawn. Um, I've always had um, a passion for looking at things um, a certain way. So I decided to come to UNA and pursue uh, photojournalism and photography. Also, there's the storytelling component. Um, so, uh, which was really what I enjoyed about theater was bringing stories to life and the, the empathy building portion of theater. So um, that's always been my passion. Uh, pursuing photography and telling stories with photography and, and through the visual arts. Um, so I was actually in uh, the, both the communications department and the art department at UNA in um, this interdisciplinary emphasis they had in photojournalism. So, yeah. And, um, okay, where am I in the story? I'm talking about... Uh, 
the rest of my where story. You're from. Yes, yeah. where I'm from. <laughs> so not just don't have to end with UNA. So after I graduated from UNA, I moved to the Pacific Northwest. Um, so I lived in between Seattle and Tacoma in a town called Auburn, where Green River Community College is, and we had an excellent photography program. I was an instructional technician there for six years, where I taught um, students how to use uh, the zone system, which is a method that Ansel Adams kind of created for developing film and creating prints. Uh, but an amazing thing happened during that time. The digital uh, analog gap really, um, we started making that transition. At Green River Community College, though, they had a really interesting approach. They did not phase out their darkroom. While they expanded their digital lab, they invested just as much money into their darkroom facilities as well and really just considered that um, an element of preserving this uh, medium and this art medium and almost treated it as two separate things, um, but in the same vein as of storytelling. So it was nice working for an institution that really saw the value in traditional photography methods and practices and how it's relevant as it pertains to digital technologies because one kind of helped feed the other. Um, so. Um, and during that time, I had uh, two girls uh, in the state of Washington. And then we moved to Alabama because my husband, Jeremy, got a job. He actually got a job at UNA. And um, then we had two more kiddos here in Alabama. So that is a total of four children that I have. <laughs> and um, yeah, then uh, I got a job at the Florence Lauderdale Public Library as their communications uh, manager uh, eventually transitioned to Kennedy Douglas the art center right across the street um, spent four wonderful years there with the folks at Kennedy Douglas um, they're really awesome and um, then stepped into this position right across the river community arts has always been a passion of mine and um, in fact I'm on a board with uh, Project Say Something that's an organization mm -hmm. um, that um, I'm also, um, I guess that I work on as a board member and the community arts component is kind of the role that I play on their board for um, reaching out um, and really uh, distributing black history and social justice causes to the masses through a visual arts medium. So yeah, that's pretty much me in a little package. <laughs> That's an amazing package. Well, thanks. We had uh, Miss Vicki Goldston on a previous episode. Oh, she's so, amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that you guys knew each other. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I know you kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, and you just mentioned how it's really important in the South for the storytelling element to be implemented. So can you tell us about the Tennessee Valley Arts Association and its mission? Oh, yes. In fact, okay, so here's the awesome thing about Tennessee Valley Arts Association. Um, a lot of museums are funded by municipalities, states, um, sometimes, you know, in the Smithsonian's case, they get federal funding. The Tennessee Valley Art Association is a complete grassroots effort where back in the 60s and 70s, really passionate individuals came together and said, we want some arts in the shoals, um, well, in the Tennessee Valley region. One of those people was Ethel Davis. Um, and she started, I will say the origins of the Tennessee Valley Museum of Art are her barn. So she actually sold her dairy cow to turn her barn into an art school slash museum 
and she hung art in, had a little gallery in her barn called the Art Barn, and um, <laughs> and had classes there. And she was a teacher of the arts. Uh, she was a painter herself. Ethel Davis is, uh, her paintings are a really large portion of our permanent collection at the museum. Uh, she had a really interesting aesthetic. She would paint on almost anything. Um, sometimes there was tar mixed in with some of the paintings. She would do figurative, but she also told stories mm. with her paintings, as in most typical Southern folk art, um, most of them do. I would say her paintings are really indicative of um, that southern vernacular style that really tells a story. A lot of religious stories are mixed in with her paintings as well. But back to her mission for the Art Association. I actually brought her letter to the people that we found in our archive. <laughs> so our curator, Jonathan Kane, he actually is an instructor here at UNA. He, is, uh, he teaches design and professional practices. And one day um, he was digging around in some old photos of Ethel and he found a letter that she wrote. I would love to share that with you yes, guys. Please. Okay. Yes. All right. A letter to the people typed right across with her standard American typewriter <laughs> font. I have tried in every way in the last 25 years to get an art movement here. The last 15 years I've been teaching art. I have worked very hard, not for any gain on my part, but for art because I love art. In this forming of the Tennessee Valley Art Association, I have almost made myself sick to try to get the right people to carry on this great work. I believe in the ones I've asked. I believe they, parentheses, the people, will make this a thing that we will be proud of. I do hope it will go on and on. Makes me want to cry. <laughs> now I'm getting old. This is the last thing I'll be able to do to get art here. And now it's up to the people to carry on. We must work as a team. If we start fighting, then all I have tried to do will be in vain. We will not get anything. If we want this, we must work together for the good of the association and for the good of our children and their children. We want a museum, then we can be like other cities. I do not want to try to run this. I do not want anyone to ever think I do. I want the museum board and the association to run things. I've just tried to help them, and that's all I want to do. Love to everyone, Ethel Davis. And this is my favorite. P.S. Somebody had to get this started. No one else would, so I tried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Sounds like a strong woman I right know, there. I know. And so that was in 1963, and she had already been going at it for 25 years. So, um, you know, as the new director after Mary Settle Cooney retired, and she was there for 38 years, and she has an astounding legacy, too. Um, under um, her leadership, that's when the association acquired the Ritz Theater. So they renovated that entire block, almost, of Sheffield to have a, a place for performing arts in Sheffield, and that was her passion project. And when I think about the museum, we have a large portrait of Ethel Davis that Martha Carpenter painted. And now I look at her for inspiration every day, and I just think, oh my goodness, I'm following in the footsteps of, of, of Ethel. <laughs> so um, 
we've rearranged as soon as you walk in now you can see that portrait of Ethel and we're putting an interpretive panel with her letter to the people and the stoop from the art barn that has art barn that she carved into the cement there so it'll tell a little bit of her story and her legacy when you come in to see it so yeah our mission is to um, you know, reach into communities and give, give um, expose these children to art at an early age so that they'll not only be um, artists, because obviously we want everyone to be artists, but be art patrons and um, have an appreciation for the arts. And, uh, um, you know, that's, we, we do outreach programs with the children, um, but really, and as we learn more about uh, the adult brain, we're, we're learning, you never really stop learning, and your brain does not stop changing. So um, the arts, um, science has really shown us how the arts play a really important role in how we develop as adults and, and where it can take us, and especially even in public health, you know, um, in uh, therapies. Uh, there's a lot of art therapies now, and the museum is um, really looking into those other research methods and, and how we can reach out to adults. You know, if we make mm -hmm. it to a place where museum and theater visits are prescribed um, then, you know, by medical professionals, that's where I would like to see this go, that people see, like, this is so important, it's good medicine, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know why um, adult classes are so, they're, they're not as popular as ch classes for children. Like, I can't find adult dance classes anywhere mm -hmm. in the area. And, like, adults have the same desire children do to learn them. And Absolutely. I know for a fact that I'm in here, like, I want to learn how to dance. Yes. And I can't find a place to learn how to dance. Um, and I mean, the closest one is like a big city. Like it's not even like mm -hmm. in the surrounding area. Like I have to go to like at least an hour and a half drive. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I know so many people who are like, I want to learn how to paint. I want to learn how to, and it's not just an excursion. It's not just for a little amount of time. They're like, I want to do this. Yeah. I don't know why people think that like, once I become an adult, I don't want to be creative anymore. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, even people who have desk jobs are like, hey, I'm, I want to express myself. Anyways. Yeah, So I, absolutely. Mean, I completely agree with the, the adult classes and, like, looking into the adult minds and, like, mm -hmm. yes, that would definitely – that's a form of expression. It's been – art is one of the oldest professions in the world. Absolutely. I mean, before you speak, you sing. Before <laughs> you walk, you dance, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so – I think having that part of the daily life, especially in like rural areas too, because you're not always surrounded by people who have a support system either because we're in a smaller city. We might have uh, fewer options for when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to um, everything, really. Uh, you don't have a big team around you of people at all times. So like having a form of expression where a community can join together. I think that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If that's it, you know, um, cultural institutions are really in this time of transformation where they, they're starting to examine their roles as culture catalysts, really, you know, to be that backup support where, you know, even if you aren't um, an undergrad or graduate student enrolled in classes, do you still have an excuse to learn to take that dance class? You know, mm -hmm. that we, we are facilitating that expression. And, you know, now more than ever, this is relieving anxiety and depression and all of these other things that are common 
common with, you know, just adulting. And um, this is uh, the role that we can play in kind of shaping the reality of the world that we live in. You know, your community is what you make it. And, and when you do those things that you're talking about, you feel nurtured and you feel like your expression is being valued, you carry that into the world that you live in. Plus, you know? if you think about like what people are studying, they study the art and literature left behind. Like, that's exactly. what history is. It's like, what is our mark on humanity and like mankind? What is left behind? It's what we create. And so, I mean, not saying that other things are not important, but like this is clearly a very important thing mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. on the topic of uh, the Museum of Art and Workshops and your foundation of, for endowment, as mm -hmm. well as the Ritz Theater, um, I spent a summer with David Hope on yes. his final production, West Side Story. Um, I was Anita, uh, yes. and I had a great time. But can you tell us like the new team additions now that David Hope is gone, and now what what that transition is now for the Ritz? Sure, yeah. Uh, Suzanne Reese Mills, who I believe also teaches at UNA, yes. is going to be joining us, and um, she has her MFA in musical theater um, from Boston. Boca. Yes, Woo. yes. So I'm really excited to work with her. We really hit it off like the first conversation. That that we had um, and really sharing a passion for really reaching people on a real level telling stories that really matter that are appropriate to where we are right now mm -hmm. and this is the approach that we're taking uh, with our team we're asking what stories are we telling this year and you know where where are we taking this so we we're really trying to be very strategic in in this entire approach so having her on our team I think uh is a is a wonderful addition I'm very excited and David you know will be here along the way if we want to give him a call he's been so uh wonderful to work with and and he's uh been so helpful for this transition mm -hmm because he also started the uh, Ritz School of Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. And that's Stephanie Vickers um, is our arts integration coordinator. Now, I knew Stephanie from the public history program here at UNA, but she has a long history in theater and acting for movies and video games. So she brings like a myriad of experience and voice work. She's done a lot of voice work. So I, she each year she attends this museum theater conference. She is a storyteller and historical interpreter. Yeah, Charlton, yes. uh, so Charlton James, <laughs> yes. who is my um, theater teacher, was telling me, he was like, Stephanie Vickers is working at the Ritz now, and maybe we can get together with UNA and do some stuff together. But he's telling me that she used to do um, the acting as like, uh, say you wanted to hire Ben Franklin to come uh -huh, uh, yeah. teach. So she yeah. tell me about that. She has this amazing show. Uh, she has this amazing show that she takes on the road now, if you're interested in <laughs> bringing <laughs> Stephanie to your facility, um, on the suffrage movement, women's suffrage, and especially suffragists in, in Alabama as well. Mm -hmm. So she kind of tells the entire story of, uh, you know, getting the vote. And um, it, it's she's just amazing. And... She's been working with the kiddos, and I shouldn't call them kiddos because, I mean, they're high school students, at the Ritz School of Performing Arts uh, since January. 
and she's done an amazing job crafting um, a showcase uh, performance but she'll be going into the schools and working with the school system to bring students into our school of performing arts yeah i was about to ask how yes. do you get into that so um you uh, your teacher recommends you for an audition but if you're interested you can just you know let your drama teacher counselor anyone know um, but we also take a pro we have one private student right now and i really think even for um, students that do have theater, if they would like a little further training or if they would like to participate, we, we, we go ahead and take on private students as well. We have auditions that are coming up in April, so it is an audition process. Um, What's the age and, frame? So it's 9 through 12. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, grades, not oh, okay. ages. Okay, I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great. High school kids. Um, but we are thinking because really sometimes by the time they make it to high school, they haven't really been exposed to theater or performing if they haven't had those resources in their schools. So after this next year, and we've kind of had we've done our testing and being we're still all very new you know I've, I've just been there since December mm -hmm. so um, after we have a full year under our belt we're developing strategy to expand this to middle school students um, and figure that out too so uh, another fun thing about having Stephanie with or uh, really having an arts um, integration coordinator is she works with various ages and helping us get our brain wrapped around how to get adults working into these workshops as well and maybe even working with senior citizens so wow. um so that's the fun thing she's really helping bring the community into the space there at the ritz and then um i, I mentioned jonathan kane is our curator um, earlier they work together a lot so um, there's a lot of conversation on how to make the theater and the museum work together um, to uh, paint a clear picture to to make us all feel things together and to, to push culture along, um, holding hands in a way, you know, it doesn't feel so sporadic. Um, it's a wonderful team so far. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really amazing. <laughs> um, so are there any particular workshops uh, or productions that you are particularly excited about? Yes, well, you know, um, Yes, I'll, we'll talk about COVID-19 later. <laughs> but Sunday, Jen Torres, she is coming to the Museum of Art. I brought a, oh, if you're on video, you can see. Um, this exhibition is, is unlike any other um, that they've had. It's a, she's a contemporary artist, of course, obviously, um, from University of Southern Mississippi. Um, she has these amazing sculptures, um, various mediums from bronze, wood, fiberglass, um, uh, found objects, um, but Misfit Children, Landscapes and Creatures from the Mind of Jen Torres is the name of the exhibition, but they really, each piece kind of deals with the concept of otherness, othering, environmental displacement, relationships between man-made and natural objects. Um, so I'm really excited to hear her gallery talk and walk people through the space and kind of talk about her little landscapes that she's created and the little creatures that she has created as well. I got to spend a couple of days with her installing the exhibition and, and, and hearing her kind of talk about her process is, is really great um, because in talking about feeling alone or feeling othered, it's like you're saying, oh, me too. 
<laughs> I'm another. <laughs> We're all alone. Together. Together. We're all alone together. Yeah. So, um, so that's wonderful. So that is this um, the Sunday, March fifteenth at one o'clock. Jen Torres is coming, and um, and then of course Summerstock is our huge theater mm-hmm. event. Um, it's gonna be so fun. Uh, we're doing the Drowsy Chaperone, which is a jazz era uh, musical within a comedy or comedy within a musical. It's both. It's both things. And so it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Lots of costumes, big sets. Um, pretty much we're all in. Like we're, we're getting volunteers uh, <laughs> and our whole staff is in for Drowsy Chaperone. We'll probably have a 1920s style uh, party, um, like a dinner theater kind of event before. Uh, so yeah. So we're, we're going big with that. And uh, yeah, that's fun. So when will that be? Um, I know, okay, so I know the coronavirus is, we yeah. can go ahead and get into that. It's yeah. it's largely impacting us. Currently, we've received an email from UNA stating that operations might shut down after spring break, but they're subject to change. Um, it just depends on it does this virus so tell us like how you guys are reacting to that and how you're getting around that yeah yeah so um the american alliance of museums and uh put out or issued a statement um there's also um theaters uh, that are have issued statements as well kind of using templates for communities that have already dealt with this you know we it hasn't really hit here or we think it hasn't it, hit here. It, it just was announced this morning that it has hit Alabama. Okay, yeah. We knew it was coming. Yeah. We, yeah, we knew it was coming. And it <laughs> so World Health Organization has the standards for mass gatherings and really that 200, 250, that's, you know, um, what they're discouraging um, us from gathering. So mm-hmm. we, are, we do have um, some strategies for downsizing. Some of our concerts, like our the concerts we may have in early summer around June, um, summer stock is late July. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping we'll have an idea by then of of what's happening. We're following the standards of using hand washing and posting signs about hand washing and limiting contact. Um, one of the uh, fun things, though, and it's just coincidental that all of this happened. I had a uh, had a board meeting yesterday with the Art Association board who are, they're amazing, amazing people who work in the community and are just passionate about seeing the arts thrive. Um, So we have a support staff position um, that we can now uh, have an assistant to help us uh, digitize our collection and put it online. Wow. So um, tvaa.net is our our website at the museum. Um, We just purchased the domain tennesseevalleyarts.org. We're hoping to transition everything over, and when we do that, we can actually curate exhibitions on through our website so we have several collections like one was the Ethel Ethel Davis collection I had mentioned earlier we may start with those small batches and feature a little bit of that exhibition people will be able to have access to that and read the narratives that go along with that so if they aren't physically coming into our space they're at least like finding, a virtual tour. Yeah, they're finding, yeah, the virtual tour of that. And, um, and in fact, they can even go a little more in depth if they want to 
and uh, linking through to um, all of the pieces as they fit together. So um, digitizing our catalog is um, one of our priorities as we kind of weighed out some of these things for the events at the museum. Okay. So um, we're still having the Gentor as event on Sunday. I think it's going to be small enough. And here's the great thing about the museum too is there's really nothing to touch. Um, so the surfaces that we sanitize are, um, you know, the floor, door handles, bathrooms, da-da-da. Um, but these are individual experiences as people come in and out throughout the day, and you, you really have them. It's the theater that we're renting, the trying to find the fog machine to sanitize 351 mm -hmm. seats, and after an event goes out, making sure that we're taking all of those precautions. So it's important to us that people know we are taking those safety measures as we're even coming into July. I'm sure we may be tapering off the virus by then. That's just, I'm hoping. I, I hope just, so. I hope. So. Um, so yeah, we're playing this by ear, honestly, but doing the best that we can with um, keeping everything clean and as accessible as possible. I think yeah. the virtual catalog is a like great um, solution to something like this that's going on. Um, can you tell us what your journey journey's been like? You're currently going after a master's, yes, right? Yes, I am. And then you also have your family with four <laughs> children, and then. Uh, tell us how, like, not only your background uh, in photography and your education has helped you throughout your journey in the arts, but also how you handle the stresses of, like, life as well. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because um, starting out in photography, first I have to say Robert Rausch, he is the photography and uh he's over the photography department here when i was here it was wayne sides i was also the darkroom uh technician when i when i was a student at una um so i got to work closely with both wayne sides and robert roush and um it's very interesting how we develop mentors oh also shannon wells was the university photographer i can't forget shannon because man she is fierce woman photographer um, and really fueled my passion for telling those stories with photography so while you know i was really influenced by shannon and her drive to tell a story uh, with photojournalism robert has this aesthetic that really helped me understand that everything you put in a photograph is a choice and we can curate so basically as I was photographing I was curating what was occurring because every single object and its positionality is context for what is happening and we are all in relationship with everything so just like a painter you know puts a composition and together and objects of relevance we're doing that with our photography as well and um, I got really interested for a while in um, quantum physics and the quality of light as a particle and as a wave. But <laughs> beyond that, um, it was really about how we create our reality and context and how we curate our lives that we live together. So um, like I think about Helen Keller sometimes and how she lived in darkness and in silence and what her internal dialogue must have been like for someone who have never experienced um, the sound. The or... sound, yeah, to not know yeah. what it's like to have a sound wave strike your eardrum. They say and... that people who are blind can still dream. Uh -huh. and, and so, yeah, that is an interesting question. Like, what about when you don't have sight or... 
yeah. sound affecting. Okay, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean that the whole element of of um, creating worlds. You know, uh, um, I think that's what's driven me driven me to solve problems. And uh, being um, peacemaking is a huge component of what I'm into. The uh, it's what drives me with Project Say Something and working at the library. And I really just want to communicate this with people that like we can bring our worlds together and our internal experiences may be different, but we can craft all of this together. And even when things seem hopeless and unattainable, there's no problem that we can't try to examine, pick apart, and kind of curate a better situation out of that. Um, so... I think that, and honestly, I think that's having four children, mm. you know, occasionally we would have that conversation after we would have a kid, are we done? I don't know. Let's see. What is life going to give us? And then, you know, we had, uh, after we had Margie, it's funny, I really feel like she was exactly the child that I needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she was so easygoing, and I worked with Nancy Sanford at the public library and was able to bring that baby to work with me. And um, it, it was hard. It was hard work. Um, but now we have that bond, you know, that it, she got to, to come to work with me. And that's important for my girls to see that, we can do this and we're going to do this. And, and um, it's not, I want to say career driven as much as it is, let's get the work you want to see happen in the world done. Mm -hmm. So I don't want them to see their path as a career, um, but as what, what is the work that you want to do in the world and where do you need to be to make that happen? Now, for me, sometimes that meant I needed to be at home with my family at that time. And then at other times I saw other things needed to, to happen or the way I wanted to see things be arranged. And, and that's where I would find my work and um, filling the needs of that community in that way. Um, so I think the arts gives us the tools that we need to think abstractly where no problem really is too big because you're creating new relationships in the world and, and finding new new ways to make these pieces fit. So, yeah. Ooh, did I answer that question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. <laughs> but guys, unfortunately, we have to wrap this up because this is an amazing conversation. But unfortunately, we due to time constraints, we can't go on for too long. So yeah. we would like to thank you yes. for being on the show. Yes. Yeah. If you could Thanks. quickly tell us, like, what, because I know you guys offer student memberships to yes. the T Tennessee Valley Association. Yeah. What those benefits would be Absolutely. to becoming a member. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Do the membership. Because it costs $5 to come into the museum because, you know, running a museum and so um because getting that ten dollar student membership we have a show if you want your work to be on the wall of mm -hmm. a museum we have artworks every year and that is a membership show it's a wonderful opportunity to have your work seen by the community and we do two viewer choice awards too i mean I don't know, that's just something fun. But uh, as a student, that, that was valuable to me to get that that line saying, my work has been seen by my community. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and it's $10 a year for students. Do you yes. guys offer like any educator um, deals or anything like that? I know you guys have your other like memberships. We do, that. we have several membership 
tiers or rungs or whatever, but we also offer in internships with students. So we have a marketing intern right now. Uh, we have an art intern right now. So uh, different departments. Uh, I know Stephanie was talking to public history the other day. We are a place where culture happens, and that just happens to be very interdisciplinary. So... Um, Yes, uh, becoming a member, uh, the workshops that we have, uh, you do get discounted rates for the, uh, for the workshops, um, and just the opportunity to be involved and meet artists from other parts of the region, mm -hmm. it increases your accessibility to people that, and I don't really know that students know that that's a thing. I have no idea. I know that, like, amazing artists come into the galleries here at UNA too and like have gallery talks so and I don't know if students know like this is your opportunity to have access to this person so like take advantage of that if there's something you think is cool or intriguing or a process that you don't know about like this is your opportunity to find out so just meeting and talking to other artists can be so inspiring and launch you into uh, new ways of knowing and understanding, especially for professional development, too. So anyway, um, membership um, helps provide that gateway to, uh, to getting access to those um, emerging and established artists that I would say talk to all the people you can. I know that I did not utilize that resource when I was a student as much, and I wish, looking back, I think I, I think of some of the artists that we had at UNA that came and went, and I didn't ask that question at the gallery talk, or I didn't stay and talk to that artist afterwards, and I just think, man, why didn't I do that? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm definitely going to start doing that now. Thank Good. you. Also, is, I know you mentioned earlier about the uh, TennesseeValley.org. That was the domain that you purchased. Yeah, TennesseeValleyArts.org. So TVAA.net is the present website, and then we'll be switching that over, I'll say, in the next two months. I'll give myself two months. Now I know. I have a, a, a firm deadline. Have I have yes. to give my, So it'll transfer to uh, TennesseeValleyArts.org. Of course. Is yeah. there any other uh, social media you'd like to plug? Yeah, we're pretty active on our Facebook page. Uh, so it's The Ritz Theater. Um, so it'll be Facebook.com slash The Ritz Theater. The Ritz with a Z. Yes, with a Z. R-I-T-Z. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, there are a lot of Ritz theaters yes. in America. <laughs> so we do have this amazing sign. So uh, we try to put, post that as our profile picture so that it's recognizable. And then um, Tennessee Valley Museum of Art. So it's the two organizations. It's not the Tennessee Valley Art Association because we post from the two different facilities since we have different event calendars. So uh, that's on Facebook. And I know we have an Instagram account, um, the TVMA. At, um, on our Instagram account. Okay, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. And thank you guys for watching. Uh, give us your feedback at our social medias. You can listen to us at Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, and you can watch the video on YouTube. And we'll see you in the next episode. Hey guys, make sure to check out all of our social medias. Feel free to send us your feedback at arts at una.edu or through the DMs of any of our social media. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you in the future. This podcast has been brought to you by UNA School of the Arts. Executive producer is Mark Gallegos, co-produced by Selena Fugate and Tyler Hankins. Special thanks to Dr. Terrence Brown and the entire SOTA staff.